0: Broadcasting live from New York City, where we wish Inferno was happening right now,
1: it's Matt and Brett Love Comics.
0: This is one of your hosts, Matt.
1: Hi, I'm Brett.
0: Yeah, Uh, it is freezing outside today, and I say that, but like, I looked it up today, and this is similar to apparently what people go through every day in the north, Uh, like in in Minnesota and... You know, why do you live there? Northern Michigan? yeah, I realized I just I would not be able to handle it. kudos to you guys for being able to do that Shout outs to Wisconsin
1: <laughs> what <laughs> uh, or or like I realized like Canada is even further north.
0: Canada is further than north. than all those
1: people, yeah, so they have it even worse than the people that have it the absolute worst in America
0: that's true right? there're actually there are I think there are portions of the United States that are actually farther yeah. north than like Toronto yeah. or yeah. You know Niagara Falls stuff like that. Those are it's
1: horrifying.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 bone chillingly cold outside. Uh, I had to dress up. I felt like uh, I felt like Chamber from Gen X <laughs> walking around outside <laughs> you know, today with my scarf all over my face. I'm just
1: I'm I'm uh, I'm Hoth Han Solo. Is yeah, what I do with Hoth my, Solo with my coat. That That's I true. Got. You
0: have the fur lined <laughs> hood. You pull that out. What I and,
1: sought out. Draw S- it tight. Specifically for Han Solo and Hoth uh, comparisons.
0: That's true. And then you leave every room before you walk out into the cold by saying, I'll,
1: I'll see you in hell.
0: Yeah. I was like,
1: I just asked you a simple question. <laughs> I
0: said goodbye. Good First luck. First
1: sketch I ever wrote, guys. It's true. First sketch I ever co-wrote in college was what that guy does. He goes back to the break room you guys seen Han today
0: <laughs> he he's being
1: a real jerk
0: yeah I like it
1: um, it's actually on YouTube I think you can find it on YouTube look up Echo Drama ECHO yeah because Echo Base so it's right. like Echo Drama it's in the Echo Base break room my friend Laurel plays Princess Leia um, there's a sassy uh, deck officer who who's, uh, who was telling uh, telling it like it is?
0: You know, I, I've known you for years, and I feel like each year you slowly reveal you slowly reveal more and more things that are out there of you on YouTube.
1: I have a lot that of I did not know about before. I don't. I actually don't know if my Star Wars movies from my freshman year of high school are still on YouTube because. Uh, the music rights. Because I used all the Star Wars music. And yeah. When I made my special editions, when I got them transferred to digital in college. Right. I re-edited all of them and added in sound effects. Mm-hmm. And I ended in uh, soundtrack stuff. But YouTube gets like, you can't have that. It's copyright infringement.
0: Uh-uh, honey. Uh,
1: whatever. So I don't actually know if you find my freshman year of high school Han Solo trilogy, prequel to a trilogy, if you actually were to watch it. What was it called? Uh, emergence of evil. It was episode three and a third. Yeah. Emergence of evil. And then I actually, I take three and three and three thirds. That is, that's not a, well, I think that's what it was, but that is not how that, that's not how numbers work. It's <laughs>
0: that's true. That's, that's just four. <laughs> um,
1: it was, that was the first one that I did. So I I did part three first and then I did part one second and never did part two. Amazing. <laughs> um, basically cause part three starred my cousin's, in East Tennessee, and then I did part one at my birthday party with my Middle Tennessee friends, and then part two was going to be taped when my cousins came to visit later in the summer. With you know bringing both the cast together yep. in the middle to pass it off,
0: mm-hmm. so did, uh, it was a
1: big elaborate thing. Was Todd McFarlane like directing? No, was, Rob Liefeld was consulting. Oh, okay, he was my uh, he was my pacing consultant. Yeah, he was, like, he was managing my workflow. You remember what he was they, like? Don't you don't have to finish it?
0: You, do you remember what they did with Spawn? In the early
1: 90s. Did they like, ba- did they put things out of order?
0: Issue 16 came out, and then a couple of months later, issue 20 came out. Wow. And uh, they wound up, they kept going forward from 20, too, and they were like, don't worry, we're going to get to 17 through 19. And they wound up publishing 17 through 19 later. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was Grant Morrison and Greg Capullo. Oh, wow. Uh, did a three-part story about Harry Houdini? Was it Houdini? In um, Spawn.
1: Did yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, but it was a it was a pretty good uh it was a pretty good story, uh especially for where Spawn was at that time. I like that first I do like that first 2 years of Spawn stories up you can to get that 25 in an now, right? Yeah.
1: Um I mean Chu did that too. Chu published like issue 27 yeah like that a was year in advance
0: well that was something also that actually happened with four of the image books they did something called images of tomorrow oh, which was a publishing stunt where they were all on like issue they, they were all within like issues seven and ten and they published issue 25 and <laughs> all of them you know were like super dark like we got bri- this
1: chromium reserve we have to tap now <laughs>
0: yeah like Make those covers it was uh it was, two, it was two Homage Studios books, at the, or Homage Studios, and two, which now Wildstorm, and two Extreme books. The two Extreme books were uh, Brigade and Bloodstrike, and the Homage <laughs> Studios books were Stormwatch and maybe Wildcats. Um,
1: which one of those four has the least dated name? Brigade? Brigade. I also think Stormwatch is not a bad name in general, but like Wildcats, what was Blood blood? Bloodstrike. Bloodstrike. Wildcats and Bloodstrike, man, those are, those are some very 1993 names.
0: Right. What was interesting about that experiment, too, is I felt like they published these, like, extreme new directions where, like, you'll never... Can you believe that this is where the book will be when we get to 25? But it sort of hamstrung them in a yeah. place where they were like, okay, now we have to figure out how to, how to make there? that happen. And
1: also, we can't have any new ideas between now and 25.
0: Yeah. It was like... You know what it was like? It was like a, a doing an eventae an improv. Yeah. Where, like, you do an eventae as a form where the except, first thing that you see is the end of the show. Except you you're not your in, in
1: an improv show. It's not like you have to do that show for the next, like... Three years. <laughs> right, and you're not
0: making a ton of money off of it.
1: Oh, so it's like, eh, give or take.
0: Yeah. Give or take. It didn't, I think Wildcats <laughs> was the one that came closest. Maybe Stormwatch, too, obviously, the the homage ones. Uh, oh, no, you know what? I think Bloodstrike was the one that worked best. Brigade was was a mess. Were they, like...
1: Whose book was that?
0: Which one? Brigade? Yeah. Brigade was an Extreme Studios book.
1: So it was, like, a Liefeld offspring book?
0: Yeah. yeah. Liefeld
1: yeah. with the offspring. Yeah, Liefeld, <laughs>
0: Liefeld and Dexter Holland. Uh, <laughs> this... what that was it was interesting because like that book they were doing their own thing and then i feel like they realized that they had to do that somewhere around issue 21 and they were like oh sniz and then just like crammed all of it into like three issues Um, yeah jeez.
1: so uh we're back after like like a couple weeks away yeah, of holiday holiday times.
0: Yeah, yeah, we uh, we just kind of we got busy and didn't get a chance to record like an official end of the year episode. Uh, we
1: did do a nice Christmas episode talking about Santa putting hits on people.
0: Yeah, with uh, the wonderful Christopher Hastings, he was <laughs> he was awesome. And by the way, uh, was the only guest that we've had that brought beer. To the show brought a gift to the show for us to hang out and drink
1: Is that did Frank and Jeremy bring beer way way long ago when we did lock and key?
0: you know what you're right i 'm very yeah. sorry they 're the second no but like
1: you know hey it's still a rare occurrence
0: you know what I bet you, I was going to apologize to Jeremy, but I guarantee you he was already pulled out his earbuds in disgust <laughs> when I said they were the, he was the first one, so if you put them back in, I apologize uh,
1: it was a, it was um that I think Thanksgiving coming so late. Uh, it was like a one, two, three punch of like Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. I mean, yeah. Christmas and New Year's are a week away. That's how calendars work. Yep. But this is the latest Thanksgiving can ever fall. So like Thanksgiving and Christmas just felt way too close together, especially for people that travel for both of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, you had a lot of travel going on, and uh, during that travel, you still found uh, you still found time to read some stuff.
1: Uh, I- did a lot of reading. Yeah, I drove drove everywhere. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: You guys split driving duties, <laughs> so, and then when you're not driving, you'll wind up uh, pulling out the iPad.
1: Yeah, or um, if it's in day uh, daylight, I'll, I always take some trades that I have intentions to read and never end up doing. Yeah, um, but and I also got a bunch of stuff for Christmas. I got the Fifth Beetle for Christmas. Yeah, which was amazing. And
0: that was something we we had uh, we both wrote lists. We contributed to the top ten. Uh, We contributed our top ten lists to the comic book resources top 100 books of 2013. And something that we had been discussing while we were writing them was that you had not yet seen (laughs) the fifth beat, or read the fifth beatle, rather.
1: The fifth beatle, the the Brian Epstein story.
0: Oi. Oi. Okay, this was a mess of a segment. Anyways, the point being, you had not yet read it, and we still had to turn in our lists. And after you actually got to read it, what did you think? It was
1: number one. Yeah. Um, it was number one. It was my number one single issue. Because I also did a two-parter thing for my column where I put where I published my own personal top ten. Ongoing series of my own top ten uh, single issues, which you can read at comic book resources, search for In Your Face Jam.
0: Yeah, go I'm under... I sure it was
1: like inyourfacejam.cbr.com. It's not that. Comic book can,
0: resources, and then under the uh, columns column tab, tab, go to In on In Your, Your Face Jam. Jam.
1: And you'll be able to see my top ten lists. But it, Young Avengers number four was what... Um, was my number one issue. It's now my number two cuz I I we were I was reading uh Fifth Beatle on Christmas Day like night yeah. in the bonus room at my sister's house. and I just kept having to show Sebastian my boyfriend more pages like look at this. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> look at this. this. It was it's the most gorgeous book I've ever read. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so... absolutely
0: incredible. The 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 art in it is just like almost dreamlike.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, in art, I've never read any of Andrew Robinson's stuff, so it's also, like, I, it was a writer, I, Vivek Terrari. Mm-hmm. but I don't know, I mean, he's a he's a Brian Epstein, like, scholar, like, yeah. he's a Beatles guy, I don't know if he's ever written a comic before, and from reading the foreword or the afterword, like, it sounded like this was his passion project, and this is maybe his first comic book work. Yeah. So it's not like these are creators I've never uh, experience before, so I like that. I like yeah. being blown away by things that are totally new.
0: Yeah. The, what I really loved about it too is that there's uh, there's there's unspoken elements where like the art the art tells the story instead of the script. Yeah. You know, and and there's a lot that that stays open to interpretation, and it it really allows the uh, the reader to ingest the story yeah. in, in different ways it's not as uh, it's not as focused and it doesn't hold your hand as much throughout it it tells the story and it's it's worth reading and rereading I've read it I've reread it since initially reading yeah. it and found new great things I should do that yeah um, and Kyle Baker too let's not forget Kyle Baker's yeah, co- contribution what does he do I think that he I, I'd imagine that he did some of either the inking or or like the color wash okay. over it and when it becomes cartoonier that is very clearly Kyle Baker's style. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really great book. And it's also, I mean, I've been kind of fascinated with Brian Epstein for a long time. Also because, I mean, he's uh one of the few, I mean, he's a gay man, like he's a gay yeah. man from the 60s. Uh and so looking for gay role models, I don't know, kids. <laughs> um role <Girl> models. Yeah. <laughs> look look to him but also be super super sad. Because so much of the book is about the sixties and how it was illegal to be gay in the sixties in the UK.
0: Oh, that's like the opening of the book. Yeah. It's tragic. And
1: it's like I it's it, it's almost it's very it makes me feel proud of like the fact that the Beatles we owe the existence of the Beatles to a gay man, basic like and in his ingenuity and his um marketing skills and fearlessness. Uh, I think that's that just makes me feel good. Like, we got we got a good one on our team. But then yeah. it's also horrible that like, he never really found love, according to the graphic novel. Like, he was beat up. He died early from an addiction to prescription medication, which is prescribed to him to get rid of his homosexual tendencies. Like, mm-hmm. it's a horrific. And I, I, I want more people to know his story uh, because it's a fascinating story. And he deserves all the credit he can get. Um, and it 's going to be made into a movie because they sold the movie rights like did they really yeah Oh, that 's fantastic um, and I would also suggest i mean it is like fifty bucks it 's a pretty expensive hardcover, but it is gorgeous it 's oversized it 's got a nice paper stock it has one of those like little red ribbons yeah it 's ribbons it's it 's a, it's a
0: deluxe book it 's worth owning as a physical copy yeah
1: it's it 's uh, bee 's knees yeah <laughs> i also i also got um the uh, Lois Lane Celebration of 75 Years hardcover from DC mm-hmm. which was also fascinating that I read during the rest of my road tripping um, because it's, it's there's like 20 or something issues from Lois Lane's 75 year career with DC Comics uh, going from her first appearances and the super um, kind of sneakily aggressively feminist stories of the 40s, and then the most (laughs) regressive stories of the 50s and early 60s. Oh, yeah. Like, the whiplash they put Lois Lane through is really fascinating. Like, it's like I'm like a cultural barometer. Like, when women were expected to pick up the slack from the men who were off at war, like, Lois was a go-getting, hard-nosed reporter who didn't give a shit about, you know, hooking up with Superman. Mm -hmm. Like, she wanted to, like, Expose crime lords and she fought right like she would get into scrapes and beat up mobsters,
0: yeah. I mean, you even see some of that in the old like Fleischer cartoons, yeah. She picks up a Tommy gun
1: in those, yeah. And then you go to the 60s, or the 50s, and it's all just like, oh, it's it's they're hilarious, yeah, they're so horrible. They're hilarious.
0: How can I get Superman to pay attention to Superman me?
1: and also like Superman making her fat for her own good? What <laughs> there's one where, um, like I think he's worried about a crime Lord being able to like spot her and like come after her. Mm-hmm. So he temporarily puts her in front of a, he sneakily has her, uh, put in front of an enlarge array or something. And she just like gains a couple hundred pounds. And so the whole thing is just a bunch of fat jokes about Lois being fat now and her being ashamed of her appearance and not wanting Superman to see her.
0: Good Lord. <laughs> and then at the end
1: Superman's like, I did that to you. <laughs> it's I'm almost just... like as bad as Lois Lane comes off, Superman comes off as the biggest, like a huge sociopath.
0: He, <laughs> like reading the, reading what I've read of those stories from the 50s, he comes off as the most narcissistic, he, like I was going to say human being, the most narcissistic character because he's so oblivious yeah. to her and everything that he does to her is in service of his greater good. <laughs>
1: So, Man of Steel, Man Man of Steel Haters could have been a lot worse.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you something. Was uh, I Am Curious?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I Am Curious Black? Yeah. Which I had to look up what the hell that was a reference to, which is a movie that came out. Yeah. Uh, Like a French, like an indie movie of like the late 60s. So, it's like, I don't even know when they were making I Am Curious Black in parentheses reference in 1970 if that movie was even, if I Am Curious Yellow was the movie, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, I don't even think that was a popular enough movie for people to get that reference. I mean, maybe it was. Yeah, I don't know. That issue, surprisingly, uh, I mean, considering it was from Bo- it was from Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, the same series that had all that horrible shit. Right. Good. <laughs> Earnest, a little misguided, but still fascinating. Yeah. Um. That's the only story from the '70s in that collection. It immediately jumps from that to Man of Steel number three. No kidding. Yeah which is weird.
0: Yeah, that makes it. Well, you know, they were uh if I recall that whole crew was sort of they started to become marginalized I think in the early 80s. Hmm. Superman had uh, like Clark Kent had a job at WGBN.
1: Oh yeah, he was a, he was a TV was a TV reporter. Yeah, that happened at some point.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Did you get to read anything? Well, over the breakies. Over the breakies. You know,
0: I caught up on. I, I caught up on all the. Uh, caught up on a lot of valiant current valiant stuff. Oh, which I love. Um, Unity's great. Uni-
1: the Unity Unity War. Is that what's uh, happening right now, or what is? Well,
0: it? it's it's technically called that. The book is called Unity, okay. and it's basically about. Um, first off, we have to get to the original Unity at some point <laughs> yeah. on this series. I keep telling you about it, and I I love. I really love the stories told by the first few years of the original Valiant crew. Uh, but what they've done now, basically, you know, they're doing a really good job of taking the repercussions of the ideas behind these characters. So uh, Arik of Dacia was this Visigoth who is kidnapped by spider aliens centuries ago, right? Centuries, centuries ago, he's kidnapped off of, like, the plains in Europe. Yeah. And turned into a slave worker on a spider alien ship. But because he is like fearless and tenacious, he starts an uprising and acquires what they worship as their god. Which is this seed that grows into an armor that no spider alien can ever actually wear. Oh. There's always a ritual where one, person, one spider alien attempts to be worthy enough to do it. And they always die. They always die, and the secret is they're always supposed to die. The Higher Council knows that no spider alien can actually wear this, but uh, the but uh, Arik is able to put it on and wear it, and becomes like a living weapon. You know, he escapes. He escapes their captivity, um, and he heads home. He heads back to Earth. By the time he gets back to Earth, it's modern day.
1: Oh. It's
0: modern day. He's very confused by modern times. He's angry. Hey,
1: I'm confused by modern times. You know sure. I mean? Like, oof, we've all been there, brother.
0: But he's filled with rage. You know, he's filled <laughs> with rage yeah. that, like,
1: keep explaining. It. Yeah,
0: the the I world that he feeling. knew is gone, um, and he stops. He stops a lot of the spider aliens that are undercover on this world, and then uh, commandeers one of their ships and goes back to their planet and destroys their entire civilization, finds his ancestors as slave people on the planet, gets them in the ship, comes back to earth and decides to claim the land that was rightfully his centuries ago, but which is now like modern day Romania. But he lands and says, this is mine. And I dare you to try to take it from me. And the rest of the the rest of the world is like, uh, what do we do? And now Toyo Harada, who is the main sort of villain in Harbinger,
1: yeah,
0: uh, is like one of the most powerful men on Earth, you know. And he is now in charge of trying to figure out how to create a resistance to uh, stop this guy who has come come on to. Uh, Earth soil and started an incursion on a country that is yeah. recognized by the UN as a sovereign nation.
1: You don't really you don't want to mess with that. But also
0: he <laughs> has he has like an unstoppable an unstoppable killing armor, and he's angry, and he doesn't care about like he doesn't care about recognizing other world powers. So he just wants his land.
1: Where does Quantum and Woody fit in?
0: <laughs> they are <laughs> they are still too busy. In the Midwest, trying to tackle is that uh, where the book is set? No, well, right now they're in the Midwest trying to tackle um, uh, I'm some reading, of those. Like, I'm
1: reading it. I just have no idea where it's set now that I think about it.
0: Uh, DC. Okay, it's set in DC because that's where um, b- because that's Eric, where Eric works. Eric works uh, in defense. So I, I was reading those. Most of what I did, I actually caught up. Uh, I started playing Arkham Origin. I got that for Christmas. Yeah, and that's incredible. That's really, really great. And I also got the Dark Knight trilogy on Blu-ray. I never got to see Dark Knight Rises, so I watched it for the first time uh, a week and a half ago.
1: Which is probably better to watch it now.
0: I was... I I, I think it's incredible. I thought it was an absolutely amazing movie. I thought it was a great conclusion to the story that Nolan had set up. It realistically dealt with the repercussions and ramifications of what would happen if this actually happened, and I love that you know, they they deal realistically with, okay, he is clearly using the finances of his corporation to yeah. create his bat, like his war against crime and once it shut down most of the profits dried up for Wayne Enterprises, and, and what happens there and I will say that the Bane fight the, the initial Bane fight in the sewers was one of the most horrifying yeah. fights. The the part where he just starts punching him in the head, and I think he gives him a stroke, right? Like, that's what's implied. Oh, yeah. Like, because he keeps punching him in the head until uh, and till Bruce's mouth, like, slacks on one side. Like, part of his... Part of his mouth goes he, like, slack. Breaks, and, he
1: breaks the cowl. He breaks yeah. the cowl,
0: and, and Bruce's mouth goes... Like, that's what happens when someone has a stroke. Yeah. And he's hitting him in the brain, and they've already established that he has brain damage. And that... Like, I I gasped. I was I was terrified. And then he kicked him... Like, he kicks him into the sewer, and... My God, like...
1: Yeah, that was really good. Oh, I, so I liked, intense. I liked the movie. I... Uh, I loved it. Um, uh, I... I'm puzzled, I am puzzled by people that don't, um, only because...
0: What are the arguments? Because I honestly don't remember, and I avoided a lot of the talk about it because I didn't watch it at the time.
1: Well, I, I, like, there's a lot of, I don't even know. I know there's, like, a lot of, um, a lot of bullshit of, like, how did Bruce Wayne get back to Gotham from the pit? Which is, like, why do you want to see, why do you want to see a montage of Bruce Wayne? Like... How? Like I don't know, hijacking a plane or like hitchhiking, who cares? Yeah. Like complaints like that, I'm like, do you really think about it. Do you really care so much about how Bruce Wayne in a fictional movie <laughs> yeah. gets back to Gotham? Like, fuck you. Who also cares. Also I'll more point interesting out. things to see.
0: Yeah. And and here's a guy that they established throughout all three films is a guy. <laughs> who cares so much about Gotham that that is what he is married... Like, that is yeah. that is his life partner, is this city, you know? And he's resourceful. Yeah, and we don't need... And, like, yeah, we don't need to see how... I, I personally don't need to see how he got back there. It's something that probably could be explored, but you know what? We're going to waste time in a movie that's already 2 hours and 40 minutes.
1: Yeah, and I think that... um, I think that people... I read, like, a lot of other critiques um, of just, like, no one's Batman. Like, this is the most of the three movies. Like, no one's Batman is not Batman. Like, it's no one's Batman. Um, Because the Batman that we know from comics and TV and stuff would never retire. Right. Um, And I think people kind of got a little bit miffed at, like, this version of Batman, like, retiring and, like, whatnot. But, again, like, he... His body was beat to shit. Yeah. Uh, And also... It's a movie. It's 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 Christopher Nolan's take, and I think a lot of people from things I read gotten a little bit mad. This is the most obvious. It was this is Christopher Nolan's take on Batman. This is not the DC Batman brought into a movie. Whereas maybe like the Tim Burton era one, maybe felt a little. I don't know. Maybe felt a little more like the DC comics Batman brought to life.
0: But here's my question: Why do we just want? Yeah, exactly. The comics version. I don't on care. the screen, yeah. I want an A-list auteur to be able to envision them in a way that isn't damaging to the character. And yeah. in no way did I think anything in those in that trilogy was damaging to the character.
1: No, and it's also weird because my complaints about the Dark Knight Rises, a movie that I did like, is also like, holy shit, it is pretty fucking bleak. Like it's, it's really bleak. It's um a lot of uh, a lot of gunplay towards innocent civilians. More so than the other two movies. Like Bane and his henchmen just going into the stock exchange and just shooting people. Just shooting people. Mm -hmm. Um, And that level of uh, nihilism and violence and the hero isn't there to save them. And this is what really happens in real life. Like that level of just like it's hard to watch. It's a yeah. level of hard to watch that most superheroes and I personally don't enjoy. But a lot of a lot of comic book fans love that stuff. And so mm-hmm. the fact that this movie gave them that and then a lot of people were like, "No, fuck that." Like huh? uh also I think people were mad or dis- also spoilers for a movie that's a year and a half old, whatever. Sure. Um I think people were mad that Christopher Nolan um <laughs> hit it really on the head at the end. When like Alfred goes on a trip, sure, and like it should, it shouldn't have cut to the reverse and shown us Batman and Selina. Yeah, it should have just stayed on Alfred's look, right, and left it a little bit more vague. Um, The thing that I found interesting was how did Avengers and Dark Knight both end? With a billionaire playboy philanthropist shepherding a nuclear device away from a city and seemingly dying.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they
1: both ended the exact same way. Yeah. Which, you know, like, they had no idea the other movie was doing that. And right. And, you know, like, everyone that was working on Dark Knight Rises probably saw Avengers and was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And also people thought the, um, the groaner of, you should, you should go by your full name robin like sure but again who cares
0: yeah like but that was that that there is like the sort of like here's a bone to like everyone was yeah. wondering if this was ever going to be mentioned and here's how i would interpret that
1: people are so people are i don't know that's the thing that well, of course fans are divided on everything but that's a thing that um like people hated all of people hated all of the bones that they threw in star trek into darkness Right. Um, because a lot of those bones were full-on plot points that were exactly the same. Again, maybe one of my favorite movies of last year, so I'm not coming down hard on it. Right. Um, but yeah, people hate that. People, like, also people that hate all the Stan Lee cameos. Which, I mean, I do get that, like, a Stanley cameo in a movie 100% breaks the reality of that movie. Yeah. Because it's, it's a very big wink. It's maybe the biggest wink a movie can make. But it's also like, eh, I don't care. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh maybe i should maybe i should be madder about things why no i'm just kidding never gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) i like dark knight rises um
0: yeah so i had to go back to 2012 to talk about one of my favorite things from the end of 2013 well
1: what was your i mean did we see all the comic movies that came out this year we did you saw did you see the wolverine you didn't see the wolverine
0: i haven't seen the wolverine yet
1: thor and you did see iron man yes and which did you like more wait Uh, hold on was there a dc oh man of steel Man of Steel. Forgot it came out. I did see Man of Which Steel. Which one did you like the most of those three?
0: Of those three, Thor. Rank them. Uh, Thor, Iron Man, three Man of Steel.
1: Okay. Because I would go Thor, Wolverine, Iron Man, Man of Steel. Probably of the comic movies.
0: Yeah. I I still I was I was debating whether or not and this is the trap that I used to fall into is like oh I haven't seen Wolverine yet oh, I should just buy it instead of just renting it you should rent it but yeah. it's also
1: it's really good yeah I just I've seen it. Think four times now because I watched it again uh, in Tennessee over Christmas. Okay, I did not watch the extended cut, so I still have to go back because I, I got the Blu-ray, the 3D Blu-ray version because it's the only one where you can get the extended cut, yeah. which you know has a deleted scene where he gets his costume.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, then I need to see. I definitely need to see the extended <sighs> and cut.
1: And it's just him, like literally getting the costume. Sure. But they cut it out of the movie, um, in a place that is super, super obvious once you know where it goes. Because when I when I first saw the movie, I was like, they cut something out. Because that that uh, exchange was very weird.
0: Yellow and blue, or brown and yellow. Brown,
1: brown and tan. Yes, love it. And it's it's a uh... yeah. So put the mask in in a movie. I don't care. Put it in a movie. Um, but I thought Thor was fantastic, and I only saw it once.
0: Yeah, I really liked Thor a lot. <laughs> I thought it was fun. I loved the camaraderie between. Uh, between Thor and Loki, those those two actors really really nail that that relationship every time they're on screen and together.
1: Without going into any spoilers, because Thor is maybe still in theaters. It's 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 on the son's way out. It's coming out on DVD in like four weeks. Yeah. So Blu-ray. Um, also, Thor, incredibly surprising. Like they're, yeah, they're, it, Maybe I'm not uh, as active as a film watcher as I should be. But just going along for that ride, I was surprised um, on at least two occasions. Yeah,
0: yeah. The what's what I was really impressed by immediately was that the action was fantastically choreographed.
1: Yeah, it was in it battle. was
0: epic, and Oof. even that even that opening battle when Thor jumps across to the what is that the trolls realm? Yeah, um, it's sure. it's I forget which realm he's in. <laughs> fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> 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 He shows up to stop that or quell that uprising, and there's a specific move that he does where, like, he kicks a guy's legs out from underneath him. Then we cut to a wide shot, uh, and they accept the reality that this is like a fantastical. Like the guy, the the uh, the guy that he kicks flips up in the air, and then he uses his hammer to hit the guy. It was just so well choreographed, and it wasn't just I'm going to kick you and you fall. Yeah, like they're actually using wires and, and clever stunt yeah. techniques that make it as dynamic as the the comics would be.
1: And I wrote an article for CBR about how I feel like I feel like the round the Phase Two movies so far are just basically Marvel's victory lap after Avengers. Yeah, even though they were in production before Avengers, even when it was a success. But you look at both Iron Man Three and Thor: The Dark World, and they are both. Kind of middle fingers to how you make superhero movies. How oh, how you previously thought you were supposed to make superhero movies. My theory was they prove that superhero is a type of character. It's not a genre, mm-hmm. or um because Iron Man three is a straight up eighties action movie. Oh yeah, it's not a superhero movie. Um and in fact the only act of heroism you find out it was done by uh, Tony Stark like piloting a remote controlled suit. Yeah. Um so like it's it, it's die hard basically, which makes sense. Lethal Weapon, I guess. Well, it's Shane Black, yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. So, uh, so th- like, Iron Man 3, that. And then Thor is weird. Like, the first Thor, pretty weird. But they didn't spend a lot of time getting into the nitty-gritty of Asgard. They spent a lot of time on Earth. Mm-hmm. And played, a- played up the fish-out-of-water comedy to great success. This movie, they spent way more time in Asgard. Got into a whole lot of crazy pseudoscience. And also, like busted out a whole bunch of Kirby spaceships and, like, yeah. Sky Arc chariots and weird, just crazy stuff that that you know they could not have done in the first movie. Yeah. It's kind of like Avengers and the success of all the first movies bolstered the confidence to be like, no, nah, we're gonna do it. Like, yeah. it feels like this, the phase two movies are, like, not holding anything back, which is such a fun thing to see.
0: Yeah. I think and and i think that's deliberate too you know they you realize especially with how comics have been viewed in general superhero comics have been viewed in general in the, in the general public that um you know we don't they don't want people don't want to see costumes people yeah. don't want to see these fantastical things so they ha- you have to walk you have to walk your audience to the stage
1: yeah and you have to be super grounded and gritty in like all the dc movies yeah which is really funny that I don't know Man of Steel was super, 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 super gritty, and like tried to go as realistic as possible um and then Marvel's like, Hey, here's Thor, <laughs> yeah and here's just the insanity of Jack Kirby's asgard yeah uh and Marvel doesn't give us sh- give a they don't care uh, I think it's they they're just totally on board, uh I think it's amazing, And I think Captain America looks like it's also going to be as big of a departure from the first movie as these other two.
0: Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I mean a lot of it's a lot of it's modern warfare. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of modern warfare in it, and it's gonna be interesting to see how they choose to adapt Captain America to that. I'll say too, I like that I like that they have him running around in the uh Steve Rogers Shield outfit yeah. from you know the uh, the Siege era
1: From the super super when he was super soldier.
0: Yeah, because that's that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me as a design for the films. Like yeah. it makes more sense to me than the actual Captain America design does. You well, and,
1: like the first one makes sense because it was like a nineteen forties, like a very like over the top patriotic, right? Um, and they kind of they explained it in Avengers. Of being like they need a symbol to rally around, but then like in Captain America: Winter Soldier, like he's not the symbol anymore. He's doing covert ops. Yeah, and just why even his shield is um like that gray blue and white. It's duller. Yeah, steel, it's like a steel steel, and then the other color is like this kind of pale blue. Yeah, like they've removed all the red because that stands out from his entire costume. Yeah, just really interesting. That movie looks to me to be the first one that's going to challenge Avengers in terms of best. Yeah. I think. Because it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: What else? So, uh, instead of looking back, since we're doing this now, looking ahead, what are you excited about in terms of comics, in terms of media, and in terms of the community in general for this year?
1: Well, I, I'm looking forward to... I'm looking forward to reading more DC. Yeah. Uh, just because Greg packs Action Comics, um... First couple of issues have come out, and it's been amazing. This is the first time ever that I'm buying a super a Superman comic monthly. Well, I bought Action Comics uh, when Grant Morrison relaunched it for like three months. Mm-hmm. Three or four. Maybe five. I can't remember. <laughs> but Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter have gotten me on board totally. Okay. Have you read the last couple of issues? I haven't. Oh, you've got to read it. Okay. There's the, his, In Greg Pak's second issue... He does a bait and switch that delighted me to no end. Okay, because it like reaffirmed my faith in his take. Because at first I thought he was going to take Superman, the Man of Steel route, and like continue the grittiness. But it's like no, Greg Pak is like he's a great writer. Yeah, <laughs> he's flipped. It's great. It's a it's great. And then also Jeff Parker's Aquaman just started. Right. Last Wednesday of twenty thirteen, the first issue came out. Super fun. Jeff Parker is. I'm um, like. I don't know the modern day Chris Claremont in a way. Like he writes, he writes a modern, modern, modern uh, comic book the same way Chris Claremont wrote them in the '80s. Like that long game, character focused. Yeah. Um, like you're not gonna know what he's doing after two or three issues of Aquaman, which is the same way that his Thunderbolts and his Hulk ran. Like he has a long game planned, I'm sure. Right. Uh, and then also he's hilarious, <laughs> which is yeah. something Claremont could never really claim. That's true. But uh, Greg, uh, Jeff Parker is hilarious. So I'm looking forward to those, to like reading a couple of DC books. Because I can also just mention all the Marvel books. Because I'm looking forward to all of them. Yes,
0: yeah. We have Black Widow coming up.
1: Yeah. Which will uh will It be should out. be out by the time this It'll episode's released. By, so we haven't read it yet, but you guys have, and it was awesome, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to She-Hulk, because every Javier Polito page that comes out blows oh, my mind. Yeah. That looks great. Um I'm and I, and also, I mean, you are you're excited for Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I'm beyond excited.
0: <laughs> I can't I can't wait. They they re released that still.
1: Yeah, I mean the first one was Oh, the first one was the painting. That's what it was with the concept mm-hmm. art. And then this was the real version. It's the photo of it. Right. And it was also in that leaked San Diego footage. Yeah.
0: That, uh, Which we definitely didn't watch. We definitely did not see that. It definitely anywhere. wasn't my
1: job at the time to watch it and then take screen caps of it and talk about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it certainly wasn't something that I've seen before, ever. Uh, but it was. It, it, it looks. I mean, Rocket Raccoon looks incredible, and
1: are you okay? Are you okay with Bradley Cooper being Rocket Raccoon and Vin Diesel being Groot?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, because. Groot needs Groot needs a deep voice. Vin Diesel has a deep voice. Yeah. And he's not gonna say anything more than I'm Groot <laughs> yeah. the entire film. Even if he does do like a silent bob thing and say something else, it's not gonna be that like I imagine it's going to be something just like sorry. Yeah. Right?
1: And also, not to maybe alienate a lot of podcast listeners, Vin Diesel is not a good actor. I'm gonna throw that down. Yeah. After watching what's of the Fast and Furious movies, he's Definitely, man, I don't know. Vin Diesel's maybe, good at being Vin Diesel. Yeah, maybe Dom Toretto as a character is very, like, for the family. <laughs> yeah. like kind of half-sleep baby talk. Sure. <laughs> I loved Fast and Furious 6 and 5, so don't, right. don't come at me with the hate. But I, if we're going to have Vin Diesel in any Marvel movie... Rude is perfect. Right. <laughs> Have you ever
0: seen Boiler Room? No. I recommend seeing Boiler Room. He was really good in that. Uh, that was very early in his career. That was... I think they shot that right before Riddick.
1: Okay. And see, uh, I've only... I've seen Fast 1... Pitch Black. I've seen Fast 1, 5, and 6. I think those are the only three, like, Vin Diesel... Oh, and I... The Pacifier? I watched a little bit of The Pacifier when I was at home, because my nephews were like, this is a hilarious movie. Hey, Tomlin and uh, Ben Gurren. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And that's why... When I was watching that movie... When you watch a movie, a bad movie like those, like those Disney bad movies, yeah, like The Pacifier, but you know that the people that wrote it also did The State and Reno 911, and you know they're com- comedy geniuses, I, I then like can't view the movie the same way. Because it's like, no, I know that they know this is a bad joke. And so, therefore, are they making that bad joke because they know it's so bad it's therefore good again? Like, it adds a big meta layer.
0: Sure. Where it's... Well, have yeah. you ever... Uh, I ha- haven't read their book. Have you ever heard uh, Tom Lennon, like, sort of talk about the Hollywood process on any, in, no. in any interviews or
1: anything? Uh, maybe yeah. on the Nerdist episode that I listened to, but that was years ago. He's a really interesting... The the thing that he says because he's
0: una, he's unafraid to like discuss how the process works.
1: Yeah, I mean, they wrote the book about it: how to make movies for fun and profit, or whatever. Yeah. how to write movies,
0: and basically like what he says will happen is you know you'll turn in a draft, and you have you have X number of drafts that you're guaranteed in your contract. It's usually like two, and oh, wow. inevitably, regardless of how good it is, they will they, the producers will call you up or the studio will call you up and say like, oh, we love it, we love it, you know, uh, but. We, you know, we just feel like uh, we want to get some fresh eyes on it. Yep. And fresh eyes is always the term that it, that they'll use, apparently. And then it gets passed to someone else. And, he you know, he will always talk about how sometimes it's your friend that gets a script and is like, Hey, uh, I have your script, and I have to do rewrites on it. And sometimes they just, like, they pass it between three and four people, and they ruin it. And then they yeah. come back to you and go hey, so do you have some time to take a look at that script that you sent in to us? We want you to kind of come back on and put the magic back into it. And it's like, uh, I have to imagine that it's like, you know, they sold something. And they were like, great, we sold this story, and we're not that invested in it. So, like, whatever you're going to do to it is what you're going to do to it. Yeah. They wrote Herbie Lovebug.
1: Yeah. I mean, they made a lot of or, money writing. What band. was it called?
0: Uh, Herbie, Herbie Rides Again? Fully Loaded? Fully or, Loaded, or was yes. it Reloaded? Something yeah.
1: Loaded. A lot of loads.
0: Lindsay Lohan, yeah. was in that.
1: But uh are you and you're okay with Rocket?
0: I'm okay with Bradley Cooper being Rocket. Now, yes, I think that it should be like Statham doing the voice okay. because he was origin He was originally very British. He was very British in his like first appearance. And I then bought
1: that- the Marvel Premiere Classic hardcover of his miniseries that you won at my Dirty Santa game.
0: Oh boy, that's a whole so story. I
1: haven't read it yet. But I got it for like 4 bucks. Uh, so. Thank you, by the
0: way, Brandon, for uh, for bringing that. And, um, and oh, my covetousness. I'm kind of embarrassed by how much Most I wanted that. Most
1: excellent Dirty Santa game ever, I would say. I mean, it was epic.
0: Yeah, it was pretty epic. There was a lot of wheeling and dealing I know. that I did to get that.
1: I, around Christmas time, I read people uh, hating on the Dirty Santa, White Elephant, Yankee Swap, um, Christmas Jinxie, Snowy Hullabaloo. Yeah. Gift exchange game. Um like, oh, why do people do this? I always get junk. And and I feel bad for them because they don't understand the joy of my game at my party because you get 30 improvisers going. Yeah. First of all, improvisers like weird stuff. Yeah. So, Jackalope Bank, a weird cactus, or this year, Rocket Raccoon, a weird drone helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> Some Star Trek
0: 8x10s. I did... What I got the Michael Jackson pop yeah, vinyl yeah. figure. And I got a piece of parchment paper and I burned the edges and sanded it and wrote that it was like the totem, totem containing his, Michael yeah. Jackson's so, eternal soul and that he <laughs> was actually on the dreamscape fighting evil. And our uh, it was amazing. friend of the show, Kirk D'Amato, wound up winning it and loved it.
1: Highly desired it. Um, we have fun. We, we bring good gifts, A. And then also people have fun with it, right? I don't know. I feel bad. I feel bad for everyone that does get to play.
0: Yeah, it, it's not about the money that you cool, spend. Cool it's about, plug, like...
1: Cool plug for my Christmas party.
0: Yeah. Cool plug. <laughs> You're all invited next year, guys. No. Brett has an amazing apartment. It's You're going to love it. It's so nice.
1: I, I, but I, I don't... I can't even really remember what Bradley Cooper's voice even sounds like.
0: Uh, he's just a very... He has a very white american yeah. male voice
1: it doesn't seem it's like kind of cocky st- and that's what i think yeah. is going to
0: be good for rocket raccoon. that makes
1: that that's the only thing that makes sense mm-hmm. um so eh no i'm fine i love that they got like the two biggest stars and made them a raccoon in a tree yeah i love
0: that well that that's the thing too like i think there are going to be a lot of like fast-paced jokes and, yeah, he should sound like Statham, but I don't know that Statham would be able to get no, the nuance. Cooper can
1: do that. Yeah. Cooper can definitely do that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I can hear the rhythms of the type of jokes I expect to come in that movie yeah. that are in the middle of, like, a dogfight. Yeah. And then... And Chris Pratt can do it. Oh
1: Yeah. Oh, God, Chris Pratt. Ugh. Oh. A, looking hot. B, great actor. Ugh.
0: <laughs> uh. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, every time I see him in something, he always brings something different to the table. You should, have you seen Moneyball?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, he was he's great great in
0: Moneyball. In Moneyball. Great uh, in Zero
1: Dark Thirty.
0: Great in Zero Dark Thirty. Completely uh, unexpected in that film.
1: Also great, like, I'm excited to see, because I imagine like, Star-Lord is basically Andy Dwyer from Parks and Recreation, but not a dummy. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Like, he's still like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of a screw up kind of guy and I'm very excited I'm just I'm really excited to see that character Mm -hmm. oof that's gonna be good
0: yeah I'm excited I'm obviously excited for that film I'm excited for X-Men Days of Future Past
1: oh that's this year
0: that is this year that is this June
1: no they moved it up to May it's like end of May now it's like May 25th oh Spider-Man 2 is May 2nd
0: I watched that trailer and I am so on
1: board yeah
0: I have, I still haven't watched the first one. I, I I'm now, I watched that trailer. I'm gonna get over it. I'm going to watch Amazing Spider Man in the next couple of weeks. I
1: I yeah I, as much as indifferent as I was to Amazing Spider Man, everything I've seen about Amazing Spider Man two has like gotten me weirdly excited about it. Um, which is I do think it is crazy that a movie that was just kind of a, a moderate hit, mm-hmm. they've already greenlit four movies based on it. Yeah. Because there's Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, uh, a Sinister Six movie, a Venom movie. Yeah. And then also maybe a Spider-Man 4, although the Venom or Sinister Six movie might be taking the place of Spider-Man 4. Right. That's crazy. (laughs) It's like everyone's like, we gotta have our universe.
0: Yeah, everything's... Marvel really are sort of rewriting the way that people approach uh, blockbuster films, which is amazing.
1: Yeah. because, like, X-Men, they've already announced X-Men Apocalypse in 2016. Yeah. Um,
0: They're already breaking this. St- like, singers tweeting photos of them in writing sessions. Yeah.
1: And that movie, 20, uh, Days of Future Past, hasn't come out yet. And Wolverine... Wolverine was not a huge hit. Wolverine was a bigger hit internationally. Um, but the thing is, is it didn't cost that much money to make. Right. And this is the thing that I, I desperately want... I desperately want the comic book movie companies to realize: is make fifty million dollar budget Wolverine movies with Mangold and Jackman every two or three years, because they'll make fifty million dollars easily every time. Mm-hmm. And you and Wolverine proved you don't have to have literally any name other than Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, and these stories, like with a character like Wolverine, also you just need fighting. You don't need impressive powers and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no reason why a Heroes for Hire movie couldn't be realistic. Uh, like, these movies don't have to be huge budget affairs. There's no reason why a Black Cat movie couldn't be made for $50 million. Those movies would definitely make their money back. I mean, even the most least successful comic book movies make $50 million. <laughs> over 2 weeks at least. Yeah. I don't know. I just I want to I want them to I want to see varying budgets. In and like I want to see varying genders, I want to see varying uh like cast sizes and I want to see varying budgets with these movies.
0: I think it'll come I think I think that that will that will come in the next uh 4 to 5 years. Yeah. For sure. I'm very interested to see how DC is going to what the final products are going to be from DC's Side of things because it's very clear that they want to adopt a similar storytelling standpoint, but
1: they kind of want it all right now. Yeah, they want to put it all in Batman versus Superman.
0: Well, that's not DC, like, that's Warner's, yeah. and I think that's the problem. Yeah. Is there are like these crazy entrenched people at Warner's that are still, it seems like they're still doing the head padding thing, yeah, with DC Entertainment. That it's like, oh, you guys. <laughs> Well, One more, take that, Daddy's gonna take that, and he's gonna make something real fun for you. <laughs> um, Daddy's gonna make something real fun, you're gonna like Superman it. Batman vs
1: Superman's gonna have. I mean, they were saying Denzel Washington as Green Lantern was a rumor that was going around earlier this week. is John,
0: uh, John. It's John Stewart. Stewart yeah, love it.
1: Which would be great, but also like, how many people are in this Batman vs Superman movie? When are you just gonna reveal it's JLA? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I I personally. Don't, I don't know, I wasn't going to see Batman vs. Superman, but now this, since they've thrown Wonder Woman in there in some capacity, uh, I, I'll i see it. Probably not at midnight. Maybe at midnight. I don't know. Well, not midnight, is now 7pm on Thursday, so. Yeah, yeah, why <laughs> it's not? It's easy. It's yeah. super easy. <laughs> um, what comic books are you looking forward to in 2014? Oh
0: boy. Um, I am... Definitely looking forward to the climax of Superior Spider-Man this year.
1: Have they announced what they're going to be? What 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 the trajectory of the Spider-Man line is?
0: No, there are a lot of rumors going around right now that April, that these solicitations that are out for April are sort of misleading. That there's something big happening, and we haven't we haven't even reached uh, Superior Twenty Five, okay. which is the end of the current arc. The Venom suit is on. Uh, Doc Ock right what? now.
1: What? Yeah. See, I've, I'm I'm on, I think I read issue five. Yeah. I'm pretty far behind. It's
0: it's it's really good. It was in my top ten. And it's in I, a lot
1: of people's top. Like, it got really high on the CBR top 100.
0: See, now I want to rewind back to when I didn't want to hear what the spoiler was for Amazing 698. And I remember, I remember people online that knew about it saying, like, that's a terrible idea. This is so stupid. And I was like, it's a crazy idea. I think you. I, I think there's a difference between crazy and terrible. Yeah. And this is a crazy idea. And I wanted to see where it went. And Dan Slott, Dan Slott loves Spider-Man probably more...
1: More than literally every fan. Yeah. Let's be honest here. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Like, I'll even admit that. He loves <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man more than I do. And there's no way he is going to destroy the lineage of the thing that he cares about. Like... Yeah. There's, there's just no way, and the guy, the guy, it's very clear the guys had a long game for a long time. The guy knows exactly how he's gonna get Peter back in the suit. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I am completely comfortable with that. Nothing, and here's the other thing too. It's been in Steve Wacker's office. Yeah. Wacker is. I was heart. I was super sad when I read that he was gonna be leaving Marvel Editorial to go take. I mean, I'm excited for him. You know, to take on a new position well, in like something. right? Which, yeah.
1: Which, if this means that Marvel is actually gonna try and attempt something similar to what DC has done with animation, then, thank God.
0: Then we win. We're yeah. still gonna win. But, I- I'm just sad because he's done such a great job with all of the books. He runs a great department. Yeah.
1: He's got all... I mean, Daredevil was my book of 2013. Yeah. Because there... Was not an issue that came out that did not reach through my mouth, grab my heart, and yeah. like pull it out of my chest while also making me laugh along the way. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm looking forward to not looking forward to the end of this run of Daredevil because I have a feeling I'm gonna be real sad at the end of this.
1: I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Um,
0: I, I, I don't know what's gonna what what forces a guy to leave the city he's been in for decades. It's
1: I don't think it's gonna be good for Foggy. They haven't announced any. um, They haven't shown any preview art, have they?
0: For some reason, I
1: thought Foggy was in the preview art, but that might just be covers. I don't know. Uh, Foggy is my number one crush in the Marvel Universe, so I don't want anything bad happening to him. Yep. Also, hey guys, I'm just I'm just gonna say that if a certain uh, rich summer from Mad Men fame ends up playing Foggy Nelson on the Daredevil uh, Netflix series. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, because I tweeted who did I, t- I tweeted that Rich Summer or as, no, I just tweeted in general. Yeah. Uh, if they don't cast Rich Summer as Foggy Nelson, I in Drew Goddard's Daredevil, I will riot. Um, I know Rich now because yeah. we did a comedy show at UCB together a couple months ago, and so he DM'd me on Twitter and said, I am like board game friends with Drew Goddard. Yeah. Who was the showrunner of Daredevil. Passed him along your idea. I don't want to see a riot happen. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, awesome. Um, but I, he would be a see my thing. Um, Rich Summer for Foggy Nelson, uh, guy who played Bob Benson. What's his name?
0: Oh, I forget. Forgot his, his name.
1: Bob yeah. uh, Madman, the guy who played Bob Benson, uh, who's on the crazy ones right now, should be Matt Murdock. I think he'd be a good Matt Murdock. Yeah, that's uh, my opinion.
0: <laughs> I think those are good opinions. I'll tell you what else I'm excited for in uh, 2014 is pretty much everything Image.
1: What else is coming out? Well, it's more like what's continuing, which is like Lazarus is continuing, which is amazing. Lazarus, Pretty pretty Deadly, deadly Velvet,
0: Velvet, Black Science. We've only
1: gotten two issues of Velvet. Yeah, I'm already. I feel like I'm already so entrenched in that world. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's already one of my favorite things ever, and it's like it's only had two issues. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to take
0: a while for them to come out with those. It seems like there's going to be some delays there, oh, that's but so good. that one's going to be one that's 100 percent worth it. Fatale's still running.
1: I need to catch up on that,
0: uh, and that's great. Um, there's uh, Image Expo happens in April, and I feel like there's going to oh, yeah. be a lot oh, of really yeah. cool new announcements there.
1: Because we're finally seeing all the stuff they announced at last year's or two years yeah. ago come to fruition. When they announced, like, here's the billion books that are coming out. Yep. They've all come out and they've all been great. Uh, I'm also excited about um, if we want to get into Dark Horses last year with the Star Wars license, right? Um, I'm first of all, if you have not been reading Dark Horses Star Wars books, you need to start. And thankfully, you have two fairly easily accessible jumping on points with Star Wars number one from Brian Wood and Carlos Donda, and then also Star Wars Legacy number one by Gabe Hardman and Karina Becco. Um, and Brian Albert Theis, Thies uh is the art- artist in the second arc. Um, and then Ryan Kelly also did art on the other arcs of Star Wars. With all the year end lists, I got really, really militant about making sure I included everyone. Yeah. And it is super, super hard because Marvel books have a lot of people that work on them. A lot of art teams. Um, Dark Horse, not so much. But, I, yeah, I'm so excited to keep reading those books. Yeah. Uh, and also, Dark Horse has a lot of really other... They're, they're building their own superhero universe, too. They are. Um, Ghost number one came out. The, the newest iteration of Ghost. From the continuation of the Noto and Deconic miniseries from earlier in 2013. Contin- the issue number one came out. Uh, with Ryan Sook on art. Yeah. And Kelly Sue and Chris Sabella uh, co-writing. And it was really good. It was great. I really liked it. I know nothing about Ghost except Adam Hughes' creation? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it.
0: During the world, World's Greatest Comics. Oh, okay. Uh, was that, that's what the line was called. World's greatest, world's greatest Comics. Yeah, it was like it was Ghost and X and oh, Machine all those Head, guys, all those guys. and a bunch of others. This was all in, like, 92.
1: But, yeah, uh, I, if you haven't, if you like Kelly Sue's Marvel work, you should be reading Ghost. Yeah. It's really good. And then you can't go wrong with Ryan Sook on art. No. Uh, and then also, um, I think Dave McCaig is the colorist. Oh, wow. Who was the guy that colors all of Stuart Eminen's stuff on, like, yeah. the Avengers and a lot of the Avengers books. Um, it's a really all-star team. It's a really good book. And, I, I'm, and Dark Horse also has a lot of new stuff coming out. I think there's another Umbrella Academy on the way.
0: Oh, awesome.
1: I, I've heard, inc- I've heard uh, rumblings about that. Like in, I don't know. I feel like I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> don't quote me. That's <laughs> I great. I feel like there might be more Umbrella Academy. Uh, I mean, do you have any trepidation about Dark Horse losing the Star Wars license? Like, it's kind of worrisome. I don't know.
0: From a business standpoint, I'm interested to see how they will rise to the challenge of being able to make up for that on their bottom line. Because yeah. I love I, I love Dark Horse. They've been they've been a rock solid imprint for twenty five years. They revolutionized how licensed properties are handled. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, with with the Star Wars franchise, yeah. Star Wars and Aliens and Terminator. Yeah. Were the three in the late eighties into the early nineties that they took on and did great things with, and then. In 92, I was obsessed with, uh, the. they had Frank Miller and Walt Simonson do <laughs> Robocop vs. Terminator. Oh, yeah. The fact that we haven't read that either is crazy. <laughs> but that's, a, what a powerhouse team. Yeah. And the book itself, this is how you know that it came out in 92, uh, the book itself had at least one sequence every issue that was a pop-out sequence.
1: Whoa. So
0: it was... Uh, it was fold out, like it folded out and popped up out of the book.
1: Wow. Like, okay. I think in the first
0: issue it was, uh, was it Robocop, like melting or something like that? It was something crazy that just, like, it pops up and out of the book. And each issue had something like wow. that.
1: okay. I want to see that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they've, they've always done great stuff. They have great eyes for talent. As yeah. you can see with how they're sort of front-loading their superhero universe right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have, like, uh, like Fred Van Linty and R.B. Silva's Brain Boy is really good. That yeah. was started. I think they're on issue four now. Yeah. Uh, they have uh, Josh Williamson's doing Captain Midnight, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my friend Jim, who's been on this podcast, like, works on all these books. And he is, A, a great eye for talent, and then... Uh, is also just re- he's super excited about all these books and they're, they've all been so good so far and I, I feel like you know Dark Horse is gonna be fine um, it just kind of bums me out that I'm not gonna get to keep reading these versions of these Star Wars comics right which is kind of annoying right uh, but you know I love Marvel, so of course I'm fine with, like, I'm, I'm going to, like, enjoy those books too, hopefully. Sure. Um, but, God, they're just so good right now. Uh, also, Dark Horse does crazy things like The Fifth Beetle, because Dark Horse released The Fifth Beetle. So. Yep. Yeah, they, they've, they've got their niche. Um,
0: Maybe that's the route that they go with with published materials, that they do a lot more, like, high-end boutique books, like yeah, The Fifth I mean, Beetle, that's where very, very fancy.
1: That's how IDW makes a lot of their like living is. They do those really cool artist edition tones yeah. that are so cool.
0: And you've seen like the like super fan editions of the hardcovers that they put out too, right? Oh wow! They have colored. Ed- they have like three tiers of colored editions for certain um, for certain hardcovers that they put out. Hmm. That like the the red edition has you know the hardcover. And maybe, like a book plate signed by the artist, and then the green edition has those things, plus a sketch on the inside cover, and it 's limited to like mm. two hundred and fifty copies and then there 's like the the blue edition that has all of those, plus something even more valuable if you're if you 're that into it, yeah, and the you know the price tiers are more and more expensive as you go up, like you could pay like four hundred and fifty dollars for one, but If you feel that that is is the value of that book to you, then you have the opportunity to pay
1: for it. (laughs) Um, What would your dream Marvel Star Wars book be? This is the thing that would require a lot of thought, I think. What do you mean? I mean, like, what creative team? Like, people that work on Marvel books, who do you want a Star Wars book, and what story are they telling?
0: That's a great question. Uh,
1: well, um, someone tweeted at Chris Somney on Twitter and was like, when can we get a Chris Somney Luke Skywalker book by, like, by him and Mark Wade?" And Chris Somney was like, make it Han Solo, and we're on board. And Mark Wade was like, agreed. So, can you imagine a Mark Wade and Chris Somney Adventures of Han Solo and Chewbacca book? That's, <laughs> That'd be it, amazing? that's
0: mind-blowing.
1: <laughs> that would be great. That would be great.
0: Yes. Um, I would love to see...
1: Ooh. Abnett and Landing bounty hunters. That's awesome, <laughs>
0: right? I feel like they've already done that at Dark Horse. Oh, maybe. That's also like going to they... be the
1: hard thing of like, what you've already done that at Dark Horse.
0: Yeah, Dark Horse did it. Simpsons did it.
1: Yeah, Dark Horse did a lot, but I think I would love to see Abnett and Landing do some stuff.
0: Uh, oh man, this is a real challenge. Well, I'll tell you what. Listeners, what do you think your dream team Oh yeah, tweet it at
1: us. Yeah. Tweet it I at do us. Do you want to um either a Matt Fraction or a Kieran Gillen Lando Calrissian book?
0: Oh boy. Matt <laughs> like, Fraction Matt Fraction on that. I would wanna see a uh I would wanna see a teenage Leia Kieran Gillen book.
1: <laughs> That'd be great. Right? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Uh, I think artists... I think, like, Jamie McKelvey would be an amazing artist. like Jamie McKelvey doing, like, Jedi Academy or something.
0: Yeah. Jason Aaron Jabba book.
1: Ah! Yeah. I'm just freaking out. Bip Fortuna. Jason Aaron's Bip (laughs) Fortuna. I'd be fine with it. I would be fine with it. See, I don't... I feel like... Just do a bunch of one-shots. Like, have a Star Wars series that's... Like, you're Marvel... And you now just have all these, you know, all these great jerks on payroll, <laughs> just, yep. just fucking be like, uh, do a book, do one, do one, don't care, do one.
0: It's gonna be Bendis. We know it's gonna be Bendis, you know, right? He's going to be the first writer.
1: Hopefully not. I there's just, I feel be, like just there's be, no just way because, it is Just because I've read so many Bendis comics. Sure. And I'm not saying I love what he's doing with X-Men. Yeah you know, me being the dire X-Men fan I am a year and a half ago, I would be shocked that I'm saying that. Yeah. Um, Just because he was such the Avengers guy, the Spider-Man guy, the Daredevil guy. uh, I want to see a new person. I don't know. Get get that book. But again, like, Bendis would do great with it because when I say all those, like, I loved his Spider-Man, I loved his Daredevil, loving his X-Men, like, I loved parts of his Avengers. Yeah. It tapered off towards the end for me um so of course i would love it star wars uh but i would love to see like new people like e- evan shaner would be great um kevin wada doing covers oh like get some of these like the new guard like these new like i want to see these them i want to see marvel cultivating like the new superstars like give kelly sue a star wars book yeah you know <clears throat> like kevin kevin kelly sue writing rogue squadron like, putting all of her... That would be incredible. All of her Air Force, like, background yeah. and love of, like, pilots and, like, her, like, the cockiness, like a Kelly Sue and book. Yeah. That would be great. I need to tweet that. I need to tweet that at her. There you go. Yeah. So, anyway. So, yeah, 2014 is going to be a big year. I just rambled.
0: <laughs> well... We're really excited about 2014, clearly. Uh, if there's anything that you're excited about that we didn't talk about, please, again, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm twitter.com at TheMattLittle.
1: Uh, also, if you remember what your problems were with The Dark Knight Rises, make sure to tweet them at Matt Little because he wanted to know.
0: Yeah. No, I legitimately do. <laughs> at if, if, the Matt Little. At the Matt Little, Please <laughs> let me know because I, I loved it. Um, and if you've ever interacted with me online, you know I'm not an argumentative guy. I like to listen to the other viewpoint and have but a discussion. Just
1: make sure you read all of his tweets in the tone of someone that is arguing with you. Yeah. Because they're not going to be written in that way, but it's the internet, so you can take it however you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez.
0: Oh, good times, you guys. So we're excited about reading new stuff, and we're excited about reading some old stuff. Yeah. Next week, we will be reading...
1: Uh, Star Wars from Marvel Comics.
0: Marvel's original run on Star original Wars. original run
1: on Star Wars, 1977, uh, issues number seven through ten, um, which, uh, if you are a Star Wars, if you're a 70s Star Wars connoisseur like I am, which is literally true because the first Marvel comics I ever read were these. Yeah. Because my sister's boyfriend foolishly gave them all to me when I was in first grade. Um... These are the very very first issues done right after they finished adap- ad- ad- adapting adaptating <laughs> adapting uh Star Wars a New Hope. Star Wars a New Hope was 1 through 6 and then here's 7 through 10. So these are the very very first ever expanded universe Star Wars anything's ever.
0: Yeah, these are the first stories that were told and it was Archie Goodwin, Howard Chaykin? is that right?
1: I I yeah. Um Yes, I do believe that is the creative team. There there was a lot of turnover. There was turnover either halfway through this arc. Well, I mean, it's not an arc. Halfway through these four issues. Um, yeah. Because Archie Gillen was, like, writing everything or editing everything. They talk about the Untold History of Marvel. Um, uh, but they just, like, couldn't do what they wanted to do or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and also, these issues are insane. Yeah. They're insane. They're crazy. I'm not even... We'll we'll determine whether or not they're good. Awesome. (laughs) They're crazy. Uh, You can find them on the Dark Horse Comics app, I do believe, because Dark Horse has the rights to all the Marvel stuff, Um, and I think they're probably included in one of the uh, classic Star Wars omnibuses. We'll do the research, and it'll be in the show notes.
0: Absolutely. Um, So please check that out next week.
1: Uh, Yeah, and while you're checking out the show notes, to find out where you can buy those comic books... Uh, because they are available in the Dark Horse Digital app, uh, which we'll have links to in the show notes, you can go to Comics.com where you can rate and review the show, tell us what you think. You can also check out some of our back issues, um, like when we talked to Kelly Sue DeConnick about Planetary many, many moons ago.
0: Many, many moons ago. Um, You can also check out the episodes where we've gone to the movies. Oh, yeah. We talked about it afterwards, like our immediate reaction to Avengers... Or uh, or the reaction that uh, you guys had to The Amazing, Amazing Spider-Man. Man.
1: Which are polar opposite ends of the spectrum of reaction. Indeed. <laughs> so it's kind of proof that we don't get super excited after every midnight movie. <laughs> uh, it makes me sad. And I also think we saw Spider-Man in like the afternoon. Um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As always, please rate and review the show in iTunes. Uh, It's very, very crucial and important that you go to iTunes, you write a review, you rate us, talk about us, you give us a fair, fair rating, which is which is either four or five stars. Let's be honest.
0: That's the only payment we ask of you, you guys, Uh, because you know we put it out for free. We just want you guys to let other people know what you think.
1: Uh, And then the other type of payment you can give us is by buying anything through our Amazon links. Um, if you like anything that we've talked about on this episode... We'll Pick have,
0: up the Fifth Beetle.
1: Yeah, you can do all that through our Amazon store, which will also be on the show notes. Um, and then also any past things we've ever read, go to those show notes, click on those links. Those are our Amazon links. It gives us a little bit of money, a tiny bit of gold shillings in our bucket at the end of the rainbow.
0: That's right. We are affiliates. Allow us to be affiliated.
1: <laughs> uh, as always, thanks to our producer, Benjamin Peter Regheb. Um, who does all the things we don't know how to do, as well as uh, listen to all these episodes in order to find a quirky, quirky title.
0: You are the Wookiee to our Rogue.
1: Our Scoundrel.
0: Scoundrel. scoundrels. Yeah, Scoundrel works.
1: It's also, also the name of a new Star Wars novel, Scoundrels. And scoundrels. And it, it, and it has Boba, it has, um, not Boba Fett, it has Hansel Chewbacca and Lando on the cover. I have not read it, but it's called Scoundrels. Plug for that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so check us out next week.
0: We'll be reading some Star Wars. Um, until then, uh, this is Matt,
1: and this is uh, Brett, and we
0: love comics. We
1: still love comics, even though it's 2014.
0: We'll always love comics. Well,
1: it's 2014. We've been do this for a long time. It's true. I love the comics for too long. Is there an index?